Welcome back to Digesting Dark. We're tackling the Netflix series Dark one episode at a time. For this episode, we rewatch season two, episode number five, titled Lost and Found. And we are here to talk about it with the full knowledge all the way through the second season of Dark. I am Zach Brooks, and I am joined by the Michael to my Enos, Aaron Brooks. Hmm. That's good. That's a, another weird one, but how's it going? <laughs> Um, I drugged you and made you come on this podcast with me. I do like drugs. So yes, not, not that kind audience. that I know of, though. <laughs> no, 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 not into the pills. Um, yeah, this was a this was an interesting episode. Yeah, uh, this is our fifth episode of the second season, leading into episode number six, in which Jonas is going to be heading back to June twentieth, twenty nineteen, to try to prevent his father Michael from killing himself. So we're getting everything put in place for this uh, all flashback episode that we get. I guess, you can, I don't know if you'd call it a flashback episode, but all uh, in deviating from the narrative structure episode that we will get for episode number six. Yep. So, and we're recording this one on Father's Day. And as you brought up before we started recording, it probably would have been better if we had the episode six on Father's Day, but there's still some uh, kids and fathers things on here. Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah, it will still work. It's always about family on dark. Exactly. Uh, so uh, if you are following along with us, make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to Digesting Dark on your podcatcher of choice, Google, Apple, Spotify, player.fm. You also can subscribe on YouTube because we do upload these podcasts as YouTube videos as well. Just if that's the way that you prefer to get your podcasts like Aaron does. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, if you happen to have that YouTube premium, it's pretty easy to turn it on and turn off your screen yeah or if you're cleaning at home this is a great podcast to clean your house too i've done it before Mm -hmm. oh good um yeah i listen to my podcasts it's good no that's they say that's the best practice i I don't do it that often but you should do it because you pick up things that nobody else realizes i guess i listen back when i edit and i'm like oh i say that a lot or i use that uh i won't reveal all of my weaknesses podcasting (laughs) but i noticed i notice them when i'm editing yeah um, and send us your feedback as we get closer to season three, which is less than a week away now. So we have just a couple episodes of season two left, but we do want to do a season three sort of preview Q and a show probably the day before season three comes out. We'll do that one. So, uh, make sure you're sending us your feedback. Best ways on Twitter. I'm at Brooks Z a, he is at Aaron J a Y Brooks. And we will add that to our compiled document of questions and things we want to talk about before the next season starts. Yep. So, all right. So let's dive into this one. Let's start digesting it. Jonas wakes up, or sorry, not Jonas, the stranger wakes up. uh, Once again, having the dream of having sex with Martha. That is the third time we've seen that dream. Now we've seen Jonas have that dream. We've seen Martha have that dream. And now we see the stranger having that dream. Mm -hmm. And in this version, the stranger, uh, it is actually the stranger who's having sex with her, not Jonas. This time we see all the scars on his back. We see his scruffy hair. And as he looks at her, he realizes she has a big hole in her stomach, obviously foreshadowing the bullet hole that she'll have in her stomach at the end of the season. But that hole is the uh, time portal, black hole, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. um, I did notice that um, when they showed the back of the stranger, it kind of does further confirm that he becomes Adam eventually. It shows that like skin condition, um, must kind of be a result of traveling too much. I mean, the stranger is traveling. Every episode we see him and he's traveling. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure that kind of is how he lives his life is just traveling, traveling, traveling. And that is the eventual effect. Yeah. And as we talk about the stranger in this episode, I kind of had some questions as to like, is he, like, what is he doing? Um, Cause we don't see him very much, but he's gone for a lot of the episode. And so, yeah, he's probably traveling during this episode to different times, I would assume. Yeah, that's why I would And that's how he spends the next 33 years of his life. Um, that he's, you know, from between when he's the stranger and then Adam, he's he's been traveling and that's what causes him to become Adam. Although I am curious if there will be like one point that we see in season three where some big incident happens that really pushes forward the uh, stranger to Adam deformity. Mm-hmm. So Sort of like what we saw with Helge as a little kid. So then uh, we see Jonas waking up. He's in 1921. Adam is sitting beside his bed. 
So kind of a, a turn on what we've seen a bunch in this show with people waking up. Um, and Adam says to Jonas that we feel the most repulsion to the people who are the most similar to us. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is just like Jonas had the, Adam had the reveal to Jonas at the end of the last episode that he was a future version of him. And then they just like, I don't know, hung out the rest of the night, had dinner and Jonas went to sleep. Like it's not like Jonas passed out from finding out the information at the end of the last episode. Yeah, maybe he just was like, I need to go to my room and be by my my room, not your my room. My yeah, room, my the guest room. the guest room. Yeah, the guest room. That's my room, but not your room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine having a conversation with myself and how like, I mean, that's that just can't be easy on either end of it. Right. Well, especially, I mean, not especially for Adam, but Adam has lived all of this before. So, like, you know, they talk about deja vu. Like, this is this is really deja vu for Adam. He had this conversation from the other perspective. And, you know, yeah, he talks he, about it later on in the episode that he remembers being in Jonas's spot, hearing this conversation and thinking he would never be the one saying these words. And then, you know, which is what Jonas is thinking. And then 66 years later, he is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jonas just wants to go, wants to know how to get home. Mm-hmm. And, um yeah, he looks over at Adam. Adam has... I, is that the jacket that he hid under the uh, tree stump? No, so I don't think so. What he hid under the tree stump was the radiation suit. Okay, that wasn't this, what was folded up there? No, what's folded up is the yellow jacket that Jonas wears throughout all season one. We haven't seen that at all in season two, so I guess at some point somebody traveled and got this jacket from somewhere and brought it or got a version of this jacket. But it's the whole, what I didn't realize when I watched this the first time is he's giving Jonas the clothing that he would have been wearing on June 20th, 2019 to prepare him for going back to that date. Okay. That makes more sense. He's just getting him into costume basically. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that's all I really saw from the 20, 1920s. Mm-hmm. Then a, nice back to, a nice back-to-back between uh, Stranger waking up and young Jonas waking up. It's nice. To yeah. yeah, and then when we go to the 2020 timeline, um, the Stranger's watching Hannah sleep. Yeah, so um, this is June 25th. We get a flash of this two days do people the and Do people just watch people sleep? Like, have you ever had, woken up to someone watching you sleep? Uh, I don't think so, but I've woken up to thinking somebody was watching me sleep. Like, you ever wake up and think that there's, like, somebody in the room? Oh, like, hereditary style? Uh, like, is it in the corner to... or not in the corner? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you wake up and you're, you're like, half asleep still and you think you see, like, a shadow. And then it isn't until it's just It's just your clothes chair. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or a cat. I have woken up to a cat watching me sleep. Oh. As you have, too. Yes. Indeed. The same cat, probably. Yeah, good cat. Yeah. Um, so speaking yes. of cats, Katarina yeah. uh, wants <laughs> nice. to show uh, Mikel Mikel's school photo, but Martha and um, I guess Magnus kind of Magnus never really has much to say because like here he's just kind of watching while Martha's all mean to Katarina, talking about how like she hasn't been there for her, and then Martha's like, "We don't need to see whatever you're going to show us." And this happens so often when a character's come to a revelation with like a time thing. They're like, I, it'd be easier if I show you than me telling you. Right. So, uh, yeah. And yeah, Magnus, like you said, doesn't have much to say. His opinions went the way of his sleeves in this episode. And go the way of his hair. Just, yeah. They just flow. I think we're, we've been waiting for now over a season and a half for Magnus to do something. And still there's certain There's certain characters we're waiting for. Magnus, Wooler uh bernadette who've all met well bernadette and magnets have met at least yeah and i have a new wooler theory also oh good um we didn't get any wooler in this episode so yeah it's a well i guess i can just throw it in here now um i'm not sure if he ever lost that other eye i'm wondering if maybe he has the same condition as claudia the heterocon or whatever one and this is a way of maybe hiding his identity Mm. so i like that Maybe. Just another thought, possibly, if it's not the... Or they're going to do the Captain Marvel thing and it got scratched by a cat. Oh, spoilers. That's the that's, post-credit scene of Captain Marvel. I'm, that's the only thing I remember from that movie. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's not, it's not great. Um, you know, I, it, whether it's literal that he has the uh, hetero, whatever you want to call it, hetero mm-hmm. thing, um, or if it's just symbolic that one eye is different than the other. Um, yeah, I just wonder, like, because it's like it's not like he's... 
I wish there was a. It'd be fun if Dark had a random redhead adult character that they kind of were half teasing was like maybe Eric or something, and like a like a Middle Eastern character that they're teasing was like if they just teased these other kids were actually adults somehow, but they weren't. And there was, well, because they're dead. Yeah, yeah, but it'd be cool if they were somehow teasing like twists with them all. Like, yeah, still. I just don't think this is the this show isn't silly to the point. Like, where it's like prestige like, where they clone them when they kill them. Oh man, you're spoiling every movie right now. Twenty <laughs> <laughs> um, year old movies. I highly recommend the Prestige if people haven't seen it. Um, especially if you like magic. Speaking of magic, we have Mickle in this episode. Uh, so getting back to the. Uh, Sorry, I, I do know. I do like that theory that maybe he has the two, like the two different color eyes, because we do see a couple people who have that. Um, Claudia has it, and I feel like there's like one or two other characters who have it. Um, Elizabeth has it. I mean, Elizabeth eventually has it. Yeah, because she loses her eye. We don't really mm-hmm. know how. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, so we get some infighting in the Nielsen household. Katerina, now that she's woke, she's trying to show everybody else. But uh, Martha and Magnus are woke to something else, and they have no interest. They want to get to the caves. Yeah. Um, Martha points out what you pointed out in one of our recent episodes that the house is a mess and that mm-hmm. Katerina hasn't done anything for months they say mm-hmm. um, which is just kind of crazy that they just haven't had any interaction with so, like, I feel like if I have somebody that I don't talk to for like a day you know that I normally talk to it's like oh that's weird so to go months without talking is really crazy yeah so I mean she was just kind of buried in probably all of the investigations that Ulrich was buried in mm-hmm yeah, um, I guess it's just that's a long time. Like, what is there to find out? There's not that much information. Yeah. Uh, so then I guess she's doing what we're doing. She's just trying to digest the missing people. Uh, Alexander, we see him in their house. He's making uh, breakfast in the morning. He's on the phone with somebody. Uh, we don't know who. I think it's probably Waller. But um, he says he wants to know more about Clausen and who this guy is, why he's there. And, you know, he's starting to feel the heat from this investigation and uh then regina comes in and she mentions how bartos has been missing overnight so i guess we were wrong when we said that he was just like weak and laying on the ground he they did tie him up in the caves yeah they just like left him there yeah it's crazy uh poor bartos just another tiedemann getting mistreated Mm -hmm. um then we see a shot of ulrich in the psychiatric ward in the 80s long hair to Ulrich and we don't really get much from this except it introduces the prison guard and uh, the the key and so we get a focus on that obviously foreshadowing that Ulrich is going to use that key to escape later in the episode yeah I'm surprised he didn't bring up before uh, with the Tiedemans how when they bring up Bartos missing that Regina asked Alexander to say to him everything is okay your favorite line oh I didn't even I didn't even write that down I must have yeah, she uh, said, tell me everything is okay and then he hugs her pauses and Says oh, everything right. is okay. Yeah, I think so I was... that's a really key phrase with the Tiedemans. Because mm. I think the Tiedemans, I think Claudia is the person who's manipulating maybe things more for her family than others, mm-hmm. which is why they're so well off in this timeline. And as a result, the things like the cancers are happening and the bad stuff with that, because it's like this world's version of karma almost. Mm. So when all Regina's ever wanted is for everything to be okay. That's mm-hmm. all she like. It's just wants reassurance from this person who's lied about who he is from the moment he met her. And you know, that everything's okay. The house is nice. I just, I always go back to one of the scenes when Claudia first showed up and she talks about how there's the new addition on the house mm-hmm. and how amazing that is to her. And like how, like, because that's a sign of, and then, Later in that same episode, Hannah talks about why some people get nothing while others get everything. Mm-hmm. And was referring to Tiedemann's, comparing how she couldn't pay her electric bills. So right. I just think that that phrase, everything is okay, and her determination for that to be what she believes is her reality, while she's got cancer, her child is missing, the plant's about to be closed, all these things that are not okay, all she cares about is it's like the stories we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Just everything tell me that up. everything is okay. Yeah, tell it doesn't matter if it's true. Do. Yeah, right. exactly. So I think that is just, it's such a key phrase that and such a key reassurance she needs. Um, and wasn't it, okay. so it was, I know everything is okay has come up quite a few times. Uh, Regina asked Alexander to tell her that when they were kids as well, right? When they were sitting on yeah. the Yeah, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and every time he's told her that, it's everything has not been okay. Also. Mm-hmm. Right. So. He's just trying to appease her. Yeah. So. Just again, the stories we tell ourselves as opposed to the truth. Mm hmm. Which these things just come through so much more clear. And so I think some of these things may feel really heavy handed to us at this point because we're taking notes and paying attention and talking about them all like that. I mean, once you do that with a show that's so well thought out like this, yeah. yeah, And layered, it does maybe come across that way. Once you start to see the tricks. Right. Cause even, even the fact that I pointed out that phrase, everything is okay on a previous podcast. And I have that in my notes every time it comes up, I didn't even pick up on it. Right. And this is like how much we're paying attention to it. So it's one of those Mm -hmm. things that might take you four or five viewings of this show to really spot that. Yeah. And Claudia was in red as she was reading about Egon's death, Mm -hmm. which again, red seems to be an indicator that a character is about to make some changes to the world. Oh, Mikhail was, Mikhail was in red when he went back in time. Claudia is in red when she's trying to get ready to stop Egon from dying. Like, well, um, Mikel was in the Mikel wasn't in red. He was in the skeleton suit. But he had the red jacket. Oh, the red jacket. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because but then again, Jonas has yellow, and he's making a lot of change too. It may be the battle of the two sides change. I don't know. Yellow. Yeah, I I just the mixture of the two of them. Yeah, it could be. um, It could be an indication that one's from one world, one's from another. There's all sorts of theories though right so, i mean it might just be a warning you know warning level too like red is more dangerous than yellow yep um, yeah so uh after we see that scene with Ulrich in the 80s key card we do get a scene of claudia looking at the article uh, about egon and yeah she's in red she also gets a note that the french delegation is there and she wants to delay it um i don't know if, what the french delegation the significance of that is maybe it's, it's another just, just like funny they have a couple of these fun not really meaningful things i think yeah i mean i guess the big deal is that if they're the french delegation they travel from france to germany to be there and she's just like uh no i don't have time to meet with them and yeah it's not like these are people who have like tons of free time so it's probably a big deal is france like known as very anti-nuclear energy or anything yeah, i don't know i don't know much about nuclear politics especially maybe the they maybe they have to do with like leading the charge to shut the plant down i don't know yeah or it might be like that they're gonna share the power um, i still think it's weird how elizabeth is killing a guy or hanging men speaking french in the future yeah maybe that is the french delegation <laughs> they finally made their meeting yeah uh so then we get to adam's hideout whatever you want to call it uh and we see his art so did you pick up more on what i was saying about his art like we see the close-up of it that it's like yeah, a bunch i can of see fat, the fat souls and then uh when you pull out it's a it's like more of like a picture of of a you know, one some, some strong mm-hmm. yeah some one strong like godlike figure but really it's made up of all of these other souls yeah it's almost like the art version of the lyric like my aim is to take many lives or my my aim is to take many lives the more i take the better i feel and if you see that picture the more he's taking the stronger he looks mm-hmm. that so, could be um this was a scene i had to watch multiple times i think all the adam and jonas scenes i had to watch twice um adam says that a man lives three lives and in them, he loses his naivete, naivety, naivety, naivety. Yes, that's, he loses his naivety, his innocence, and then his life. And he says, "We all live in three phases, and that your older self will turn into what you see here. So your older self, being the stranger, will then turn into me." And Jonah says, "He just needs to get back. He needs to stop the apocalypse." And he still doesn't quite get how this time travel thing works. Because <laughs> Adam's yeah. like, uh, we have 99 years. We're in 1921. Yeah. So we have literally three cycles before mm-hmm. we have a problem here. Um, and you have a time machine. Just like Marty McFly. He's like, oh, I have, you know, I have all the, I need to go back and stop this thing from happening to the dock. And he's like, I'm a time machine. I can do whatever. I have all the time in the world. So I'll go back 10 minutes and then still barely make it. Yeah, and those and the time machines are very interesting that Adam has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we do see some cuts to some different uh, mechanical devices, ones that were new to us that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, and um, one of the blueprints they show definitely is the same uh, time machine that's used by Alt-Martha at the end of the season, the circle one. Oh, right. They show a blueprint of it on the on Oh, the interesting, wall. okay. So, so that, that might... means that Adam already knew about this before it happens. Mm-hmm. That he knows about this machine, whatever the yeah. alternate universe machine or whatever you want. Yeah, to call meaning it. he. Yeah, it's like how much control does Adam really have? Is still, 
I mean, it's hard to almost comprehend completely how much he really has. Well, it's one of those things where we've seen through this show, each person that we think is actually in control is really just a pawn working in this greater scheme. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would really make sense that the evolution of Jonas, he thinks that he, as Adam, he thinks he's changing things, but he's really just playing his role of what he's always done. But he thinks by doing it, he's changing things. And that's why he acts the way he does. Uh, yeah. But really, he's just fulfilling. And at one, yeah, at one point, he said basically, like, you know, he's in the war against time or whatever, and he says his goal is to work against his counterpart. And refers to his counterpart as a male. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yes, that may be later. That is later. So that's the that's the other conversation between them that I'd watched multiple times, and uh, that was very confusing. So we'll we will get to yeah, that. Well, Okay, cool. Because uh, that's later. That's towards the end of the episode. So uh, then we see Ulrich visited by the orderlies. Kind of reminded me of Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. Um, where like the friendly orderly, well, I guess in Terminator 2 he isn't friendly, but like he beats up the orderly and steals the key. Um, yeah, he talks about Reagan being a great leader. Yeah, it, it talks about Reagan being a great leader. It also brings up the Olympics as well. Mm-hmm. And it And it mentions, I think maybe this is alluding to the two worlds coming together, but he says like, it's really great bringing both sides together when referring to the Olympics, but I think that's an allegory for maybe oh, that would make sense. And, and it's uh, also, I guess you could just look at it too as like a reflection too. So the mm-hmm. two sides being uh, the sides of Berlin, obviously the Berlin Wall, which yep. is still up in the in this eighty sixth year. So, yep. And so he steals the key. We know where he's going with that, but we'll find out in the episode later. Uh, Claudia goes to Egon's house. Egon makes a comment about how the fact that she doesn't really come there for that often. Um, and they're talking and, uh, you know, they, they have a conversation. There's not like a ton of meat in this conversation, but it is, you know, the big thing is that Claudia is trying to protect Egon because she knows he's going to die in two days. So by trying to change things, obviously, you know, she's going to cause them. And so she invites Egon to live with her and he points out that he's not on death's doorstep right this second. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Egon also makes reference to uh, Claudia's mother and says, you know, she would, she would be proud of you, I think is what he said. Um, yep. So, and we haven't seen, uh, we haven't seen her in, um, in quite a few episodes. We haven't really been to that 50s timeline in a while. So I also thought it was interesting that Egon brought up Claudia's mother, Doris, obviously, because the way he talks about her is the way you talk about somebody who's dead. He says, you know, your mother would be very proud of you. Um, and we don't know what happens to Doris after, uh, after the 50s timeline that we've seen, but obviously she's no longer with Egon. She leaves Egon for Agnes. Um, but well, we so don't really know what, what becomes of her, do we? Yeah, I mean, I would, if I had to guess, I would assume that a jealous rage leads Egon to kill her and then leads him to becoming an alcoholic. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I know we end the season with Egon and Hannah in the 50s together, but I just can't remember what happens to Doris. So we'll have to, we'll have to watch that and see. Egon or Hannah is my guess for oh. playing a role in killing her. Yeah. Um, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and Claudia tells Egon... You know, we would think it would be nice if you move into with us. How about tomorrow? So not wasting any time trying to get him. Yeah, going from like, just imagine like a family member you don't have any contact with, basically. And going from like nothing to this. It'd be very odd. It's like Katerina Katerina and Martha, basically. Similar. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm curious because I know she has the article about how Egon was found dead. Doesn't she have any more information on that article? Like, doesn't it say that he was found dead in her house? And it said uh, mysterious circumstances, I think. So maybe because it was like an open investigation, maybe they hadn't. They just don't have information. Yeah. Um, I I I guess I know she's assuming that it's. Well, maybe maybe she's not assuming it's cancer, since it says mysterious circumstances, and she's trying to prevent whatever these mysterious circumstances are. And by doing she that, she would think I would never do it. I would never kill. Yes. Him. I would never hurt him. So, yeah. uh, then we get back in the 2020 timeline, Katerina and Hannah and, um, Katerina is asking Hannah how she can go and see Mikkel. And Hannah explains to her that the stranger had a time machine. Mm-hmm. Um, Katerina seems surprised by this. I'm not sure why, because she knows about this time travel stuff. How was he getting there? But I guess it's just still there processing this information. Um, yeah. And then we get some, some really good Hannah-Katerina fighting. 
Katarina says, I cannot believe you slept with both my husband and I wrote down my husband and my husband, but I meant to write my husband and my son. Mm -hmm. She calls her a parasite. Yep. You've always wanted everything that um, was mine. Mm -hmm. And um, in the middle of this fight, fortuitous timing, Clausen arrives and tells Hannah that she missed her appointment yesterday. And um, I was trying to remember, I know that she was going to talk to her. I guess we just didn't see any of them in the last episode. Um, but yeah, so Hannah was supposed to go and be interviewed by Clausen, mm-hmm. and she just lets him right in and says, uh, you know, she's, he's asking questions about uh, the picture of the stranger. He holds it up and both of them say kind of suspiciously that they don't know who that is. Um, and then Katerina leaves and Clausen stays to talk to Hannah and try to investigate more about the disappearance. And he's definitely suspicious of her. Yep. So, um, and we'll see more of, uh, yeah, we'll see more of their interview in just a couple minutes. Um, before then, though, we get the stranger. We hear glass breaking, and the stranger enters the Nielsen house. Nobody is there. So he's just, like, having free reign of the house. He's uh, walking He's walking around the house. He walks into Martha's room. He sees the photo of Martha, Bartos, and Jonas. I believe that picture is taken in the next episode at the lake. Almost yeah, I think so. That they take that. It'll be interesting to see which version of Jonas that is. If that's like original Jonas or if that's uh, time traveling Jonas who's in that picture. Yeah, and there's a picture that Hannah's folding up, um, eliminating Katarina with her, Ulrich, and Katarina in it. Yes, from the she's Yeah, which looks exactly, it's the exact same thing mm, as yeah. the Bartos, Jonas, Martha one. It's mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so they mirror each other. Um, Martha's room, I noticed a few things in. Okay, I didn't really notice much. So what did you see? Yeah, so um, posters she had up. I mean, she's just like, she's a drama person, but, you know, she had the Macbeth poster up. She had the Aaron Nod or Aaron Dade, however you say that, the name of the play that she's in in the first season talking about cutting the thread when Katerina runs up. And that's also on her cell phone background also is that play, which that play is all about, like, I should really look up more what that place about, but I think it's like about demons bringing people down into like the forever. So that's also her, her phone background picture. It, it's her phone background picture when Bartos uses it for the time machine later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed she that is, she had an interesting phone background because everybody else has was, like pictures of people. It's A R I A N D E. I don't know how to say it, but that's the name of the play. A R. Um, I'm going to look it up right now. A R I A N D E. A R I. A-R-I-A-N-D-E. Ariandi. It's just bringing up Ariana Grande. Oh, here we go. Uh, Ariandi was a Cretan princess in Greek mythology. She was mostly associated with mazes and labyrinths because of her involvement. Oh, she was the one chased by the Minotaur in the labyrinth. Okay. Um, Yeah, and it also, I think, is a play. And then there's a Romeo and Juliet poster up. Hmm. So again, this is like telling you tragic love story. All, it's telling you what it's telling you. Two forbidden, yeah, two forbidden loves from each other. Yeah, um, and then yeah, um, the stranger leaves the Saint Christopher pendant on her pillow, mm-hmm. which again keeps when she sees it later is like what keeps her knowing Jonas is alive. So what, have we seen that uh, pendant before in the show? I think they showed it in the next episode. I think it. I think they found it at the lake and he gave it to her. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. Because I was trying to remember if there was anything. And I'm pretty sure that that pendant belongs to Hannah originally because I think Hannah's wearing it when she travels back mm-hmm. to the 50s and St. Christopher is like, I believe, the angel of travelers or something like that. Something to that effect. So mm. I think there's definitely some, but it's a red, it's attached to a red thread. It kind of, it looks it, like the coin that the kids yeah, have been wearing in the 80s. Exactly. Yeah. Um, That's all I noticed though. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I did notice him leaving the, obviously I saw him leave the, the coin. I, I put just the coin necklace, but it's obviously just kind of similar to the coin necklace. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go back to the 1921 timeline. We have Jonas and Adam talking again. This is the conversation we were talking about earlier. So, um, you know, Jonas is asking Adam about how he knows everything from the future, but Adam says some weird stuff, including, I don't know what my counterpart will do. So, you know, first to him as a male. Yeah. So it, when he talks about that, you think that he's talking about Jonas, but it's, he says, I am your future. So I don't, I think his counterpart must be somebody else. Um, 
Now, yeah. whether and yeah, you said it's a male, so it's not Claudia. Um, so there's somebody else who is Adam's counterpart. Now, maybe the counterpart is the alternate universe version of Adam. Um, yeah, I, I think we do not know who the counterpart is, but it's teasing out that there is somebody who is his his enemy that he doesn't yeah. know. Um, and have you ever seen the show Counterpart? I heard that's pretty good. Uh, is that the J.K. Simmons one? Yeah, that was on yep. Stars. I think. I watched the whole season. It was great. Yeah, I heard that show's pretty good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and Adam also says that it took him 66 years to find his loophole, and he finally is going to leave this hell, whatever that means. Yep. So, um, you know, do we? Did he actually find a loophole, or is Adam just continuing to do what was what has always happened? Because he is having the exact same conversation with Jonas that he was on the other side of before. It's kind of the paradox. Everything's mm-hmm. changing while nothing's changing. Right, exactly. They think they're changing things, but all they're doing is just setting things in motion, which especially we'll see in the next episode. Jonas goes back to stop his father from killing himself, but he's just going to actually convince his father to kill himself. And Claudia st- tries to stop Egon from dying and kills Egon. Right, yes. Um, the father, father time, the god of time, uh, is uncompassionate, as we find mm-hmm. out later. So then we have more with Clausen and Hannah. Clausen brings up what we have pro- what we have noticed over watching this that he gets the impression everybody is hiding something, and his question is whether everybody is hiding the same thing or whether everybody is hiding different things. Yeah, it's kind it of brings both. up how she's still getting paid. Yep, it, um, it it is kind of both because you know everybody is hiding something different, but everybody's uh, secrets are about the fact that there is time travel. And something yep. that is caused by time travel. So it's it's sort of like Adam's art, where there are lots of little things, but they are all making up one big thing. Yeah, everybody's inadvertently a pawn in the other's game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as you said, uh, he's he's asking about Alexander. Why is Alexander still paying you when she hasn't been doing the massages or uh, physiotherapy? That he, which says? I think she has an interesting answer to. She says everybody supports each other in this town, right? And like, I think that goes for like why people lie for each other too Mm -hmm. it's not you know it's not just surface level again with that line i think yeah um and of course the reason why he's paying her really is because she's blackmailing him but her lie is that they all support each other Mm because they don't i mean this town they support each other in some ways but they really don't support each other also yeah but if they all weren't lying about the time travel and everything this town wouldn't exist Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's true. So they are they are all being dishonest for the greater good, basically. Yep. And uh, then we see that folded photo of Katarina, Ulrich, and Hannah as well. Then we follow our kid travelers. They're walking into the caves. Elizabeth pauses. I thought maybe Elizabeth wasn't going to go with them. I was trying to remember. Um, she hears something off in the distance. She turns. You don't see anything. But then uh, when she goes into the caves, you see that Noah is actually there watching them from behind the tree. Yeah, and just think about it. You said Elizabeth hears something. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So Elizabeth felt something. Um, yeah, because no. Elizabeth can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. So what, did did Noah throw a rock at her? Hit her in the back of the no. head? We just didn't see it? I'm not sure. Hmm. It's, like they're, it's like they're connected in a way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So yeah, but it doesn't stop her from going. But we do see that Noah is just lurking in the background. Um, so where is Noah? That is the question that Charlotte is asking the stranger. And, uh, the stranger is telling her that Noah is the killer. He's the one who killed all the kids when they traveled back in time, but all he is, is Adam's puppet. And Charlotte, once again, is asking about her own parents. Um, and they, they talk about HG and how the stranger says he knows HG. He's met him, met, he's met her grandfather. And, um, the uh, stranger says that he's just a pawn, just like all of us. So using that term pawn, obviously we've used that a lot, but we do, we have had instances of people playing chess in this show as well. I can't um, remember the one with Ulrich. Well, instance of people playing chess. I feel like there was, <laughs> I feel like there might be more. If you looked for chess throughout the show, I bet you could find like chess pieces in the background. Mm, um, maybe. 
I, I can only remember Ulrich playing chess, but it does seem like something that should happen. It seems like every time Adam's talking, he should be playing chess. He should have like a chessboard in the background. Yeah, like like make one move, like per yeah. like kind of like Nosferatu style. Well, uh, a Seventh Seal style. Yeah, um, that too. Yeah, uh, I do feel like it was. I mean, it's weird because Ulrich in that scene was playing chess, but not against anybody. He was just playing against himself. Yeah, he's crazy. Um, well, that's, yeah, how, but also, that's how crazy Jonas people is, play chess but Jonas and Adam are kind of playing chess against each other which is the same thing as playing chess against yourself yeah um, so yeah but alright we'll, we'll look for other, other chess metaphors but uh, <laughs> he's he a pawn Claudia used him and uh, the stranger shows Charlotte the machine I kind of forget that all these people don't know about the machine and they're like surprised when they see it. To me, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, these people all know there's time travel. The next logical question would be, how did you travel through time? So. I think it would take the rest of your life if you found out time travel exists at all, understand the logical aspects of time travel. I, not me. I've seen a lot of time travel movies and TV <laughs> shows. I, I already get the basics. I took time travel 101. Yeah. Um, so then we go to the caves. Bartos, as we referenced earlier, he's still tied up like a day later. Poor guy. Talk about a pawn. He's there's a pawn right there. Um, he is. Uh, he says he's not allowed to explain the machine, but he finally gives in and tells them. Which Noah watched the kids go into the caves, so Noah probably knew this is exactly what's going to happen and what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we do find out that the machine doesn't necessarily need Ulrich's phone. It can use any cell phone to travel. Yeah. So yeah, it just use, needs to search for a signal. Right. So they use Martha's phone with the background that you brought up earlier. Uh, interesting that that's the uh, the princess in the labyrinth, which is kind of what they have right now. Um, mm-hmm. They're in the labyrinth. Um, and they all travel, including Elizabeth. Again, I thought maybe Elizabeth was going to get left behind. Nope, she goes. They all, so they all travel through the caves. So one thing I was thinking... I know Adam's machine doesn't need it, but does this machine need to, can this machine only work in the caves? I think he said it's safest there. Okay. Cause I'm trying to think of any instances where we've seen this machine work without the caves. I think at the end of the, at the end of the season, the stranger will take the kids using the machine um, and it will, they won't be in the caves, but I think in general, like whenever Claudia's used it, it's been in the caves. Uh, whenever the strangers used it, it's been in the caves. So, um, yeah, I guess maybe it's just this. It protects them. Maybe. Yeah, I think they said something about it being the safest place to do it. Maybe it's that it releases so much energy when you use it, it does something. And so the one time we see it happening is like during the apocalypse anyway. So there's already so much damage happening. It doesn't matter if it's used in the cage. Mm-hmm. That could be. Um, then we get the return of Burned. After a long absence, we're seeing Burned. So Claudia and Burned are talking about the incident. This is where I wrote down that Claudia was in red, but you noted it earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're talking about the results of whatever happened last summer, or I guess uh, now a year ago, the summer before Claudia took over the power plant. And, um, you know, Burned is really worried about the plant and his name getting dragged through the mud. Um, And they're talking about the results of what happened in that incident. I did he said know this is his only legacy. Yes, this is his only legacy. Uh, of course, he does have a son, but, you know. No, they've already, I think they've already made that pretty clear that's not his son. Well, he thinks it's his son, right? I think there's something that goes along the way where he realizes it's not. Oh, uh, I guess it could be. At this point, too, I guess it could be. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, him saying it's his only legacy is saying my son isn't my only legacy. Well, his son's legacy. kind of a screw-up also. And he's also not his son. Yeah. So I think that's more what that line's basically saying is like he realizes that um, the plant is all he's got left. Yeah, the plant is. Yeah, exactly. The plant um, is his baby. His arm is in a sling. Yeah, he's just getting more debilitated. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Um, I really hope we get more of burned. Let me make sure I have that written down because yeah, I do. Okay, I do have burned written down as a note for when we do this preview because there really is like so much about burned and we just don't know. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, and yeah, Byrne talks about how he knew Claudia would never let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at least how did he know her, that? Yeah, I mean, he mentions that I think right away with her too. Mm-hmm. Um, when he meets with her, but he's like, at least leave my name out until I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems to be referencing the future a little bit. So maybe he's done. We've had him disappear from time to time. Maybe he's also traveling. Um, 
And we'll get more about him in season three, hopefully. They do bring up that the results of whatever the incident were were the same as 1964. So that's 22 years uh, before they're talking. Because they're ni- or 23 years. Are they in 1987? Yeah, 87. 87. So 23 years. Uh, and it's Englert, Brout, and Higgs. So three names of scientists all coming up together. And basically they realize that whatever happened created the God particle. And that is what gives matter its mass. So, um, you know, we still don't quite know exactly what this is. We'll see the God particle later, obviously. And the God particle becomes this, uh, the portal. Yep. And then we see, staying in the 80s, we see Ulrich. He's escaped. He's running towards the Conwald house. And he sees Mikkel. I noticed Mikkel, like, I know it's six months later, but Mikkel seems a lot older than he did in season one. Mm-hmm. Kid actor. I know, it's kid actor. Uh, Yeah, I don't think Uh, there's anything weird going on. Yeah, Mikkel's doing a Rubik's Cube, which I think a Rubik's Cube, again, has shown up a few times. So we talk about chess boards. The Rubik's Cube has shown up a few times. I think the Rubik's Cube is a really good visual representation of this world and how easily one piece being out of place can screw up everything else and how everything's connected and how if you're in the wrong spot, other things are in the wrong spots. And, and if you do a Rubik's cube, you have to, you know, to get, if you have one piece in the wrong spot, you have to do like 20 moves to get that one piece over to the right spot. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Just, you know, like it, one thing affects everything and then it can take a lot to undo the. There's a lot of mirroring with Rubik's cubes, I think. And, and colors. I mean, there's a yellow side, a red side. Yeah. Blue. I mean, green. it's basically, yeah. Blue, green. So. Yeah. yeah that's, so I didn't even pick I, up that he was doing a Rubik's cube, but yeah, he was doing a Rubik's cube. Um, Rubik's cubes have shown up a couple of times. Even the pillars that show up kind of look like a Rubik's cube. Almost, yeah, I think in a so. Way. Uh, but yeah, I mean the whole like all of Winden is a big Rubik's cube and one spot is in the wrong place. It mirrors the other side being in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So I didn't notice that pretty yeah, quickly. So they reconnect. Um, Mickle notices that he, he looks familiar. Uh, before we get more of Ulrich and Mikkel, we see Enos in the hospital. She's unlocking a cart and stealing some sort of drugs. Obviously, we'll see that later in the episode. And somebody tells her about Ulrich escaping, that a man escaped from the psychiatric hospital. She seems to know exactly who it is and you know, is alerted right away that some, like she needs to go home and save, uh, check on Mikkel. Yep. So um, then we see Mikkel and Ulrich. They're talking and... Uh, Mikkel tells Ulrich that he looks familiar and um, he should look familiar because it's his father. Although, as we were saying, you and I were talking earlier, this is the guy who plays old Ulrich is a different actor than the Ulrich that we saw in the first season and yeah. in the, the younger version. Um, we both were surprised by that because it looks exactly like Ulrich. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Uh, great casting on that. And I thought this was great, a great way for Ulrich to tell Mikkel who he was. He turns the cup upside down and says, not how, but when. Great callback to the first episode and Mikkel's magic, magic trick. And Mikkel realizes this is his father. Yeah, they have a nice embrace, very happy moment. So they're drinking orange juice. And of course, in uh, you know, in The Godfather, oranges represent death. We've seen oranges a couple times on this show. This time, we also saw oranges on the table at the Nielsen house once before. So it might just be the color orange or if they're going for the uh, orange represents death um, motif. So. Yeah. I don't, and the morning when, they're, um, when they do that magic trick, they're having orange juice too. So maybe just mirroring the morning. Mm-hmm. That he disappeared. Oh, yeah, it could be that, too. Um, Then Jonas and Adam have another discussion. They're talking about the prophecy that Jonas learned about when he was in the future. And Adam says what they're in is the opposite of that. They're in a war on time. God is the antagonist. And Adam says that he's creating a new world without time and without God. He says God is time and time is not compassionate like the sands running out in the sands of time. As soon as you're born, the clock starts ticking for you. And he, he references that you can live in light or in shadow. Yep. So more big philosophical war stuff between Adam and Jonas. We go to HG's office. Charlotte walks in. I noticed, so they show lots of clocks in HG's office, like right with the first shot to like set up that you're in his office. Uh, the grandfather clock is nowhere to be seen. 
And usually that grandfather clock is right by where you walk in. And I think even in 2020, the grandfather clock is still there. Hmm. So maybe, I don't know if that represents Maybe anything. it's a time machine. Or maybe they sold it or moved it. Um, but I've always noticed that grandfather clock when the stranger would visit and other people. Um, Charlotte's looking at the different blueprints and just looking through different materials, pictures in HG's office. And uh, all of a sudden Noah walks in and she's very freaked out. Uh, and Noah says, I did all of this to change things and stop you from being taken, to, taken from me. So he, Noah reveals to her that he is her father. Um, sort of like, a, you know, this is her, who she thinks is like the, the big uh, villain. So this is sort of like Darth Vader revealing to Luke Skywalker that he's his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's similar. Um, and when Noah says that Charlotte was taken, he also references like your mother was taken. Mm-hmm. So her mother, obviously, is Elizabeth. Um, but I don't think we really know what happened you know we don't know what happens between Noah and elizabeth at all except that they have a they have a child and then elizabeth is taken and um unless they have the child with you know future elizabeth and future noah uh, elizabeth wasn't killed mm-hmm. so um they talk about uh, noah talks about the birth of charlotte that when charlotte was born she was premature and uh but she she was a strong fighter and Noah shows Charlotte the photo of him and her and says that her mother took the photo. Elizabeth took the photo. Noah promises that he, Noah promised that he would find Charlotte. He promised her mother that he would find Charlotte. And so maybe it's that Charlotte got taken to one time. Elizabeth got taken to one time and then Noah was kind of left. Mm -hmm. Uh, Noah says, Adam has known this whole time where you've, where you've been and I've been searching for you. Um, and I guess he only knew that where she was now because of the missing pages. And that's, that's what was in the pages that he found. But he's been in this time and he's interacted with Elizabeth, who is Charlotte's daughter slash mother. So it's weird that he, dev- he never put together that this was his daughter grown up. Yeah, now Noah believes he must end Adam to save everyone. Yep. Um, so oh. he says the apocalypse is coming and he will do what he has to end Adam so everyone survives. Yep, not just the, those in the bunker. Right, which at the time we didn't know what this meant. Obviously, in the finale, we'll see you know just five or six people in the bunker, including young Noah and Elizabeth, mm-hmm. uh, and every, nobody else will survive. Yep. And uh, Noah says she loved you very much, and she still does. So um, Charlotte still doesn't know who her, who her mother is. She'll find out in the finale. She's her own grandma. Yep. It's, yeah, that's still such a like, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen on a TV show is the Elizabeth Charlotte connection. Yeah. Then the kids exit the cave. Bardo's is saying that everything he said would happen happened. Jonas and Martha kissing. My mom getting cancer. Jonas having to leave. Uh, Noah told him everything that happened and said it's about war. And um, he's telling them about you know they're in a different time. Um. And Martha is Martha. He mentions that Noah, that Jonas will return. And um, Martha looks at him and says, Jonas is going to return. And then they all say they're going to go home. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the, it, the war, it's about time and controlling time is what that war is about. Then, um, so they're going to go home. They don't realize they're in the 80s. So they can't just go back to their home. Yep. Uh, speaking of going home, Enos returns home, still in the 80s. She's looking for Michael. Um, and it's interesting. Usually she calls him Mickle, but she just she runs in the house yelling Michael. Doesn't say anything about Mickle. Maybe that's because she thinks Ulrich might be there, but um, you know we're not sure exactly what she knows. I thought this was very interesting, this part. And it was something I never picked up on before. So she calls Egon and tells him about the man who escaped from the psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. and that uh, he's related to the kids at the construction site from the fifties. Everything she's saying, she's reading off a piece of paper. Yeah. I noticed that. So she's was given the script to call Egon with. Mm-hmm. So I think that really what's going on with her drugging Michael and Michael um, and her running in and yelling Michael and immediately knowing that the man who escaped the psychiatric hospital was Ulrich and is there to take Mikkel. Uh, she's been given all of this information by somebody. Yeah. She's been, she was told, call Egon and, um, and tell him these exact things. 
I would think it's a stranger because that's a way of keeping him existing. Mm. That would make sense. So, um, you know, I did mention that like the stranger, we don't, we don't know where he is this whole episode. Basically we see him, we see him in the beginning. We see him go to Martha's room and then we don't see him again until a couple scenes later. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe the part of this time he went and talked to Enos. So, yeah. Um, and then we cut to Ulrich and Mikkel running to the caves. Once again, they are so close to getting to the caves to leave. Of course, this can't happen, though. They get stopped by uh, all of the Winden police. They're shooting at them. And they arrest, they arrest uh, Ulrich. And Ulrich tells Mikkel, he says, I will rescue you. And then this was also an interesting phrase. He looked at Egon and said, next time I will kill you. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he knows Egon is going to die in two days. So I don't know what he thinks this next time will be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. uh, I guess maybe he he thinks he will be the one to do it. But um, I don't know if we get any more of Egon and Ulrich again before Egon dies. I can't remember if that's – that might be – A little bit at the – isn't it a little bit the Joe and Hannah shows up? Maybe. But that's in the 50s. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. So these two, because right. Egon's only got a couple days left and Ulrich is going to get locked back up. So um, then we go from Mikkel to discussions about Mikkel, Adam and Jonas. They're talking about how um, Adam is telling him how Mikkel is part of a small knot within a bigger knot. And this is the scene that we talked about earlier. Adam says, all my life, I thought I would never have this conversation. 66 years later, I understand. And that he was in Jonas's spot listening to this conversation 66 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, moments that change us, we will never understand. If there was a way to change things, uh, Jonas asks, if there's a way to change things, why are we doing it again? And then Adam starts explaining uh, progress. He ex- and this, I think, is a really good way to explain how there might these loops might keep happening, but they keep slowly progressing towards something, or at least that's what Adam seems to think. That you know, you needed the wheel to have the automobile, and then yep. he goes through all the different versions of the time travel machines, like the chair and the uh, the time machine in a box and the god particle in the future. So he mentions how it's all, it's all just progress getting towards a, a greater goal. Mm-hmm. So um, then we see Claudia back in the power plant. She asks some young plant employee that we've never seen before to test a liquid. Uh, do you know where she got this liquid from? Um, I think it was just, I think she collected it from the barrels. Oh, okay. Cause it's in like a, you know, it's in like kind of a futuristic container. I know it's the, it's the same liquid that was in the machine. So maybe she just took it out of the machine and it hasn't been all used up. Could be uh, that too. But it is right. the same liquid from the barrels because we saw the stranger get that liquid from the barrels in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we always think that that, that is just radioactive waste. Apparently that those barrels contain whatever that God particle is that they, that they created mm-hmm. the liquid version of the God particle. Um, and do you think this young plant employee is going to end up being anybody significant or is this just some, some random guy? I think it's just a random guy. Yeah. So he's going to test that liquid. Um, then we see the return of the bus stop. The kids are in the eighties and they're walking towards the bus stop and they see the, all the eighties posters. And um, as they're sitting there, this is like the, such a tragic scene for Ulrich. Um, the cop cars drive by and Ulrich looks out the window and he sees his other kids in the 80s and he's yelling to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just further descent into madness. Yeah. And the, from the cops' perspective, they hear, they hear him yelling about more kids that are his children. So it's just like this guy just thinks every, he's, this guy's so crazy. He just thinks everybody's his child. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I just felt really bad for Ulrich in this scene. Um. More of the, the bus stop. It's nice to see the bus stop return. We haven't seen it in quite a few episodes. The key bus stop. Yep. Um, then we go back to the Conwald house. The stranger returns. He seems more unhappy with Hannah than he was when he left. Yeah, the trust is gone. So we don't know why, though. I mean, we know that now he, he confronts her about her affair with Ulrich. But what changed between him leaving in the morning and him returning that evening? Where did he travel to and what did he find out? Well, yeah, she, I mean, he finds out about the affair. Right. So, so how did he find it? But we don't see him find out about the affair. Like, how did all of this happen? Mm-hmm. 
So um, he, he tells her that, you know, you were the only one I've ever trusted fully and uh, I no longer trust you and says that you only need yourself. And maybe you've always only needed yourself. You need no one. So it's, it just seems like there something happened with a stranger. We don't know what, but he got some information. Yeah. Maybe he talked to Enos. Maybe he, in addition, went back to, um, you know, to the fifties or something. You know, he just got more information somewhere and we just don't see what that was. But I thought there was a definite shift between the stranger, like so much so that it almost could have been a different person between the stranger that left in the morning and the one who returns that evening. Yeah, well, whatever he finds out, it's something that's really fucked up because Hannah says she's she knows she fucked everything up and he says maybe you always did. Yeah, that's what he said. That Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we were going to get that information before the end of the season. Um, Enos returns home with Mikkel and Egon. We see Egon returning home as well. We see Ulrich getting strapped up into the psychiatric ward. Um, Charlotte is looking at the photo of Noah and her. We see Enos putting the drugs into Mikkel's hot chocolate. And um, I'm curious if she's following someone's orders that, you know, she needs to do all of these things and then continue drugging, drugging Mikkel, or if she's doing this to keep Mikkel herself. Yeah, could be a paradox again. Um, and Martha finds the necklace on her pillow and so it's a she knows she knows that he's that uh jonas has been back i'm curious though with this because uh when the stranger breaks into their house we hear the glass break but they return home and they don't seem to be reacting to the house being broken into i think it's just how fucked up things are going they just see like a broken window and they don't even care yeah because there definitely was the sound of the window breaking. When yeah, they show the glass on the ground. I think it's just apathy. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a glass, getting upset about a window breaking when my father's missing my whatever. Yeah. And just, yeah, I guess it, I guess it, and they just returned home from traveling through time also. So mm-hmm. maybe a broken window is the least of their concerns. Yeah. I think that's probably more what it is. Mm-hmm. So then our, um, you know, I've noticed, and I don't know if it's every episode, but we do have like the montage of lots of characters to some music. And then we have like a closing scene almost that mirrors the opening scene that we get before the uh, opening credits. So I, I, I know we've had it in quite a few episodes. I know in the first season, we had a lot with the split screen showing you different versions of people next to each other. So it's a cool way to structure the episodes. Mm-hmm. So our final scene is Adam and Jonas. They are walking into the room with the big machine. Adam describes it as a twin of the one that Jonas used in 2052 um, or 2053. And uh, Adam says that it's known by many names, the ether, dark matters, or the Higgs field. Higgs, of course, was brought up earlier by Byrne. That was one of the three scientists that he listed. Mm-hmm. And Adam says that the Also, original- HG mentions that um, the time machine creates a Higgs field. Oh, he does. Uh, so Higgs is HG with a couple extra letters added. Mm-hmm. So maybe HG is Higgs. I don't know. I don't know who Higgs is. I've never heard of him. Higgs field is like a very, it's like a very famous. Um, it's basically when um, I think atoms spin so fast that it creates like quantum physics mm. type of thing. Like it can create a new world or like um, it's something about, yeah, it's something about like a, it's one of the theories basically of how the time machines work mm. is that they spin the atoms so quickly that it travels you through time. Like in Superman. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, so he tells him, you know, the different things is known by, he says this version was created by us. Now we don't know how he created it, but uh, Sigmundus created it. There was an original that was the, the one in 1952 that we, or 1953 that we see. That one was created by the catastrophe that Jonas is so clearly trying to prevent from mm-hmm. the apocalypse that we get at the end of the season. Um, Adam says the difference is this one, they can pick any day, so they don't just have to go in the 33 year cycles. They can go anywhere, which explains why Noah can pop up in all different places without ever changing. Um, without ever changing his age because he's been also using this. This is how he's been traveling back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And they talk about how, you know, Adam says that we need to go back to the beginning and undo it. Uh, Jonas immediately knows what day that is. That is June 20th, 2019, the day before Michael kills himself. 
Adam says uh, that, you know, we can go back and we can prevent this. You won't be born because nothing else will happen. Mikkel won't go back in time, but Martha will live. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why Michael killing himself leads to Mikkel going back in time. Like, Mikkel didn't seem like he was affected by Michael killing himself. No, but but for Mikkel to go back in time is the only way that Michael exists and kills himself. Right. No, I get that. But so he says that if Michael doesn't kill himself, then Mikkel won't go back in time. But it's, you know, like Mikkel, Michael killing himself led to Jonas going, you know, going away to get help and uh, Bartos and Martha getting together. But it doesn't seem like that really is what leads to Mikkel. I guess if, if Jonas, if Michael never killed himself, Jonas never would have gone away. Bartos and Martha never would have gotten together. And then Bartos never would have led them to the caves to travel in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of maybe just like a end is beginning, beginning is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you could like butterfly effect that out. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also interesting that in episode one, Bartos is the one who has the idea to go to the caves in the first place. So yeah. uh, how yeah, long has Bartos been working under Noah's orders? I mean, was was the idea for him to go and get the the Eric's drugs, was that Noah's idea to begin with? And then they went there and that's what leads to Mikkel going back in time, which leads to everything happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I got very big uh, Palpatine vibes from this. The scene in Revenge of the Sith when Palpatine is telling Anakin Skywalker that he can, um, you know, he can bring somebody back from the dead. He can create life. Mm-hmm. And um, when he says, you know, you can do this and you will not survive, but Martha will live was very much like what happens in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. One of the best scenes in that movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jonas gets into an all black radiation suit. So no color in this radiation suit, not bright yellow like the other ones that we've seen. He's got a big gas mask on. So he's all suited up to go. And Adam says that we will reorder the world, which I believe is also what Claudia has described with the time travel, that they're mm-hmm. trying to reorder the world. Um, much like a Rubik's Cube, trying to reorder a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. And Adam steps into the portal, and we get a close-up of Adam, and the episode ends. Jonas steps into the portal. What did I say? Adam steps in the portal? Adam. Yeah. And one thing, did you notice Adam was crying during this scene? Adam was crying? Yes. No. If you go back and look, he's crying as he watches Jonas go in there. Mm. Why do you think he's so, crying? Because he Maybe because he's erasing his own existence by doing this? Or beginning to erase his own existence, or if he thinks because he's he setting him off on a path that he knows is the wrong path, but he knows he has to go on. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I was kind of waiting in this for uh, Adam to smile at the when they did the close up. I was waiting for him to smile. Like, yeah, he's crying. Yeah, they he's showed upset. like, yeah, he's upset. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you know Adam seems like the the villain in this, but if it's you know Adam and Adam is actually working for the good side, and they just prevent present him as a villain for all of this. Yeah, but I did notice that. They didn't yeah, I didn't notice it. that he was crying. Um, I noticed other people crying. The Martha cries in this episode when she's confronting yes. Katarina. So yeah, but I just noticed. Yep. So that wraps up episode number five, Lost and Found. Um, and the next episode, we will pause on the days moving towards the apocalypse because everything is going to take place on the day before the series even started. Mm-hmm. That is June twentieth, twenty nineteen. So we get that one, and then we'll have uh, we'll have our two remaining days before the apocalypse in season two. So, all right, let's. Uh, anything else that you want to uh, add to this episode before we do our no. MVPs? No, this episode had a lot more once uh, we talked about it. Kind of. Yeah, the whole. I mean, the whole season two. I feel like it's it, there's so much happens. It really is like it's hard to remember everything because. It's just so packed. Every episode is so packed with reveals and uh, loops and cycles. Yeah. All right. So who are you giving your MVP to for Lost and Found? Um, I'll give it to Noah. Noah? Um, yeah. Um, revealing that he was a dad to Charlotte, um, getting Charlotte deeper into the labyrinth here, I think is a pretty big move by him. Um, realizing that Adam is actually his enemy, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Just interesting character developments and a character that you've kind of pinned down to have figured out. Yeah. And he, uh, Noah also watches Elizabeth um, mm-hmm. entering the caves. And yeah, you said the the father reveal. That's a, that's a good one for Father's Day. 
Yeah. So we do have, we do have Noah. Um, so I'm going to give it to Ulrich, even though things don't end well for Ulrich. Uh, also, because it's Father's Day, he gets to reconnect with his son, Mikkel. And uh, I just feel, I just feel bad for him. Um, I think I gave it to Egon out of pity, the last one. So this is a pity MVP award for Ulrich. Mm-hmm. He sees his two kids out the window, but he does get finally, after 33 years, he gets to hug his son and spend at least a couple minutes with his son, Mikkel, that he's been trying to find for so long. Yeah. So our top three now. So Jonas is still in the lead with five MVP points. Noah has three MVP, Ulrich three. Mikkel, Alexander, Egon, and Claudia all have two. And then Tronte, Elizabeth, Hannah, Charlotte, Gretchen, HG, Peter, Agnes, and Katerina all have one MVP point. Hmm. So um, it's kind of funny that Tronte has an MVP point. I can't imagine Tronte is going to get for him anymore. No, but maybe. Maybe he'll come through. Or where's Gretchen been this whole time also? I guess she's just hanging out at the house. Yeah. He has a, they have a dog walker. Yeah. Dog walkers are really big in the 1980s, I'm sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. Well, it's gonna, well it's, it'll be a race to see who gets the uh, MVP award for season two. We'll have to see who has the best overall, but also who did the best in season two um, as we go on. Jonas, of course, won MVP for season one. He had the most. So, all right. Our next episode, episode number six of season two, is called an endless cycle of course that is what we are watching here an endless cycle jonas is going to go back to the day before it all started and attempt to prevent his father from killing himself we'll see if it works i don't think it will yeah it should be a good episode yep um so we'll be back with that one in a very short time we only have three episodes left but we also have less than a week left before season three comes out it's very exciting yes the third and final season drops on june 27th 2020 so thank you once again for listening if you guys have feedback or questions get at us on twitter i'm at brooks za and i'm at aaron j y brooks and we will see you next time for an endless cycle an endless podcast to talk about an endless cycle season two episode number six see you next time